Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is a video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective, Part 4. This is lesson number 8, and uh, the theme or subject of this lesson is for Christ's sake. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 12.10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. We just, in the previous lesson, we just went down and, and discussed each one of these five things, these five elements of the thorn of the flesh, the messenger of Satan that was given to Paul for him to be buffeted so that he would not be exalted above measure by the, the abundance of the revelations. Paul's revelation uh, focused on the fact that the value in all that he experienced was that it was for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name right now, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would speak to you and me in this lesson and help us to understand that the only value of the things we experience in the temporal dimension, whether good or bad by our definition, is what benefit they are to Christ and his kingdom for Christ's sake. There are some who say they're believers. That is repulsive to them. No, no, no. He's supposed to be doing for me. I gave myself to him. Now he owes me. He's supposed to do this for me. He's supposed to make me happy. And others will say, yes, yes, that's it. Right there. This isn't about my comfort, my convenience, my happiness. This is about the joy and the pleasure, the spiritual joy and the spiritual pleasure that's available to me if I am his servant, his son, his conduit, his vessel, his instrument, if I am his fellow laborer, if I am a, 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 a joint a, a participant in his suffering so that I can be a joint heir with Christ. Yes, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. Because the difference is me living my will, trying to get, get God to bless my will, which is iniquity, because if I'm doing my will, I'm not doing the Father's will, which according to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus said is iniquity and working iniquity. And the opposite of that is wanting to do the will of the Father. Jesus said, I came to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And the will of God is to be an instrument of God to finish the work of God in the earth during this dimension called temporal time. So let's talk about a little bit what, what this means for Christ's sake. In this verse, this verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, the Greek translated uh, for Christ's sake is uh, for sake uh, is the uh, Greek primary position Hooper, H-U-P-R, which generally means over, uh, which means a place above, beyond, across, uh, or casual, for the sake of, instead, regarding. 
uh, in, 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 uh, uh, composition, it retains many of the above applications. Thayer says it means in behalf of, for the sake of. Uh, Vine says it means on behalf of. Is, it's to be distinct, from, to be distinguished from the preposition anti, which is instead of. So we're not doing this for Christ, meaning in his place, instead of Christ. We're not living for Christ instead of Christ. Uh, we're not working for Christ instead of Christ. We're wake, working on behalf of Christ, or he is, we've given ourselves to him on behalf of him that he may work through us. Paul said it in a, a different way, using different Greek words uh, in uh, uh, Romans 8, verses 35, 36, 37. He says, Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Now that actually is what, six, seven different things, but it's all generally coming under the thorn there. As it is written, he says in verse 36, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We don't kill ourselves. But our circumstances, the thorn of the flesh brings us to the end of ourselves. Uh, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He said, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So that we conquer these circumstances. We have victory over these thorns. Even while they're in our lives, we have victory over them because he is the one that loved us and he, his peace, his grace, his strength raises us above that. Here, here, uh, the Greek word for, uh, uh, for thy sake, uh, is different. Uh, it is, and I can't pronounce it, Heneka, Heneka. Uh, it, it, uh, it means on account of. For his cause. There says the word means on account of, for the sake of, for this cause. So, in this case, for thy sake, for your cause, we submit ourselves to be crucified with Christ all the day long. The word thy here is important because it is the Greek word of thee or thy. Uh, it is a possessive pronoun for your sake, not ours. We are killed all the day long. And this is the word to put to death. To make to die, that is to destroy, to render extinct, to die, to be liberated. This is a figurative death. Now, that's literally, figuratively, it means to, to, to uh, by death to be liberated from the bond of anything, literally to be made dead in relationship to something. So when we are for his sake, for his cause, on this account, it is for him that we are, we submit ourselves to him by his spirit, by his grace, that we, uh, that the, the circumstances will have their effect in our lives so that we can be made weak, so that he can be made strong. And so he said, for thy sake, we are killed all. This isn't the Greek word pas, P-A-S, uh, which simply means all. It is the Greek word holos which means whole, all, complete, in extent, amount, time, and degree. According to Thayer's, it means all, whole, complete, nothing left out. 
So for thy sake we are killed, put to death, crucified with Christ the whole day long. And the word day again means uh, the time from daylight to dark or the whole 24-hour day. Or let me put it in the context that we would probably use. From the time we wake up till the time we fall asleep. For thy sake, we are killed all the day long. For thy sake. Let's talk about this, this, uh, this in the context of the word. There are several places where this terminology is used. Why? Because it is critical for us to understand. It's not about us. One of the greatest revelations God ever gave me was simply, this ain't heaven. Because I was trying to get spiritual enough that I wouldn't have any troubles, any pain, problems, pressure. And I thought all of that was happening because I wasn't spiritual enough. I didn't realize those were the very things the Lord was using me to get me to face the weakness of my flesh and my inability to please him through my humanity through my human will, through my human strength. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. But he brought me to that. And he says, this is not heaven. Meaning, you're never going to get spiritual enough for me to make this life perfect for you. This is not heaven. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Where are my treasures? Do Have I laid up my treasures here? Or am I laying up treasures in heaven? For where my treasure is, there will my heart be. Am I wanting God to make me rich here for me so that I can dress in expensive clothes? So I could look the part? So I could drive the best car? So I could live in the biggest house? Take the best vacations? Or am I seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and receiving what he's adding to me and not lusting after what he's not adding? Addition is something he initiates. It's not something I initiate. The very word addition implies that he initiates. So all of this is for his sake and not ours. All of it. So let's look at these scriptures. All things are for your sake. Matthew 5, 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Matthew 10, 38 and 39 says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life. This isn't talking about dying, being put in a grave. This is talking about losing my life, what I like, what I want, or where I want to go, what I want to buy. Losing it, giving it up, letting it go for my sake shall find it. So what is it I will find? I will find his life. I will find his joy, his peace. I will find his blessings. I will find he will give me things, usually better than I would have could have wanted or 
of afforded on my own. And I will have those without condemnation because he gives. Because when he's giving, he can also take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I earned it and he takes it, I'm angry. But if I know it's given, he has a right to take it and I'm not angry. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. Then said Jesus unto the disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will shall will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if through his own efforts, through his own uh, righteous self-righteousness, through his own concepts, his own ideas, his own spirituality, uh, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, what is it that you'll give your soul for? Fame? Riches? Pleasure? What? Because it doesn't matter what you give your soul for. That's all you're getting. But if I give my soul to him, I get everything he's got. Mark 8, verse 20, 34 through 37 says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, we look at this and say, well, there's a contradiction in the Bible because it's not an exact quote. Because it's not said at the exact same time. Jesus was a teacher, and like any teacher, there were specific points and principles that he repeated on several occasions to different crowds. Just take that when he was teaching us how to pray. The, the prayer the Lord taught us that we misname the Lord's prayer is different, both in the Greek and the English in Matthew chapter six than it is when he was teaching the multitude on the hillside in what we call the Sermon on the Mount than it was when he was teaching his disciples in private in Luke chapter 11. It's not exactly the same. It looks similar because the principles are the same. But he did not use the exact words and the exact description. The Greek words in Luke are a little bit different than the Greek words in Matthew chapter 6. So I read these different ones. So you say, we just read the same thing. No, I'm not reading the same thing. There are different places where he said these things. And he was trying to get it through to them. That this is about all of this, everything I give you is about the sake of the kingdom, the sake of my righteousness. It's the sake of my glory. It's for my sake and the gospel's sake. Let's go on. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Here's another place where he uses this terminology. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware... Of men, 
for they will deliver you up to councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, on my account, because of me, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. I'm going to let them haul you before the law and they're going to try to destroy you. But you standing before them will be a testimony against them, evidence against them in the great white throne judgment. That's something that you and I rarely comprehend. We witness as people that reject us and we think we wasted our time. I'm sorry. This isn't my desire and it sure can't be yours. But I don't know who's going to listen and who's not. I don't know who's going to believe or not believe. I don't know who's going to accept what I said or reject it as the word of God. I don't know who's going to respond and who's not going to respond. I don't know. My responsibility is just be a conduit, let God speak. But for those who hear, they're words of life. For those that reject it, that becomes evidence that will be used against them at the judgment. Well, I don't want to do that. Then you'll be judged. (laughs) If we don't want to do it, then we're rebellion against him. It's not our choice. We don't have a choice. I don't want to do that. Oh, you got a choice, but it's not a reasonable choice because the consequences are he's not going to let you do that because you're going to be held accountable for that. That puts you in rebellion and disobedience to him. And if I'm glorying in his presence by not talking to people because I don't want to feel rejected, proves we don't even understand what it's all about. We're not trying to convince people to be a part of us. We're not trying to convince people to agree with our doctrine, to give us approval. We're trying to be conduits so he can present himself to them so that they can come to him, not us. So are we witnessing just so our church will grow? Or are we being used of God whenever, wherever, even though we may never know that that person responded? Over the years, every once in a while, the Lord's let me see this. Somebody I talked to one time, years later, they remembered me. And we connected either in a church service or they saw me on Facebook or whatever. And they said, I just want to remind you that you talked to me many, many years ago. And I have... uh, I've obeyed that word now, and I'm I'm in the body. Wow. I didn't have to know that. The Lord didn't have to tell me that. He doesn't have to show me the harvest of the seeds that I sow. My responsibility is obey him. Jesus continued, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you in Jesus' name. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it was said in a different way in Matthew 24, verse 9. 
Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then many shall be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall arise and deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So brother is going to betray the brother, naturally brother and spiritual brother. And people will do that because they've walked away from God and they're trying to prove to the world that they're not like us. So they will have knowledge of us and our habits and our lifestyles and our schedules, and they will betray us just like Judas, who had been one of them, was the source of that betrayal. And those that are closest to us that walk away from God will be the number one enemy of us in these times of persecutions. And they have to do that to justify themselves walking away. So we will be the ones that bear the brunt of it naturally. But it is God they're really rejecting. And they're trying to destroy us to justify themselves. Jesus said something similar again. No, I'm going now to a different perspective. Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 28, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he which hath followed me in the generation when the Son of Man shall sit on in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. So what does this mean? Uh, does this mean we're supposed to, if we're saved, we're supposed to leave our wife or husband or abandon and neglect our children or dishonor our father or our mother or uh, just quit working and forfeit all of our possessions? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about putting all of these things, everyone and everything, in a secondary position to Christ for his sake. Now, if uh, your wife or husband is an unbeliever, but they choose to stay with you, you stay with them. If your children still call you their parents, but don't want to follow them, you still loving your children. If your parents kick you out of the house because of your faith, and we've had that happen, you're still, they're still your parents. You still love them. You don't get bitter against them. If the Lord asks you to give your possessions, any portion of your possessions, you give them. Why? For his sake. I don't give persons or possessions because of what I get out of it. I give them for his sake. And if my motive is pure, I shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. Scripture says, Jesus said it this way uh, in one other place, Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold more, hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. 
but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. This, when he was speaking to Peter, not to the crowd, he added in something. What did he add in? You're going to get a whole hundredfold more in this life with persecutions. You may, your family may reject you. They may give you up, but you gain the family of God. You gain mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, children in the kingdom of God. You gain those houses and lands that God would give you for his purposes with persecutions. That's the motive check. Do I want them? If they're going to bring me persecutions, that's the motive check. That determines whether it's for Christ's sake or your sake. John 15, verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If ye have persecuted, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now that, now they have no cloak for their, their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. He that hates you hates Christ also. If I had not done among them the works which were, which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that they would, uh, that, that, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. They hated me without cause. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, the Bible says with Paul that he told Ananias, uh, you go, you, there, Saul is, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's praying. You go where he is and, uh, you, you tell him what I give you to tell him. You go your way, Acts chapter nine, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. How would you like that to be God's invitation to your entering into his kingdom? Because after Ananias came and told Paul all that, afterwards he was baptized. He received the Holy Ghost and was baptized. Afterwards. Uh, the scripture says uh, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And in that same chapter, Paul said, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So the being crucified with Christ is constantly working in us 
death to us, or in other words, bringing weakness to us, that he can be made strong, that the, that the power of Christ may rest upon us. Why? So that the life of Jesus could be made manifest through us in our mortal flesh to those that the Lord is wanting to minister to. And then in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul said, Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you salvation and that of God. In other words, when they can't manipulate you, they're sure that means there's something wrong with you. When they can't pressure you to be like them, when they can't, can't force you and intimidate you to be like them, that means there's something wrong, but it's proof of your salvation. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, now here to be in me. In other words, you're going through the things I'm going through, and you're going through them for the purpose I'm going through them. Because this is done to you in behalf of Christ, because they're doing this to you because of Christ, and you're submitting to it for his sake. For his sake. This is so critical. It's so critical. And this whole thing can be summed up, even though the word sake is not used in this passage. And I've used it many times, and probably will use it again a time or two before part four is completed. All the lessons of part four are finished. But Philippians 3, chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And be found in him, by him, be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, me trying to win his approval by what I do through my humanity, my religious humanity, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which of God by faith, that he gives me, as I believe him and obey his word, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I want to know him, and I know in order to know him, I first of all have to experience the power of his resurrection, and second of all, I have to fellowship with him in his sufferings. If I want to know him, if I want to have him, if I want him to make me his conduit, if I want him to use me for his glory, in Jesus' name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the grace of God would work in us and in our hearts so that we would have the revelation of pure motive 
and that we would yield to his work and the work of his spirit and his word in us to bring us to the place that we have that pure motive that pleases the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.